filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster If you ever have the choice, I highly recommend don't drive a thousand miles in one weekend. I, I really don't recommend it. But if you do have to drive a thousand miles of one in one weekend, at least have the payoff that I did, which was I drove 500 miles from Richmond, Virginia to Cincinnati, Ohio, because my parents are selling my childhood home. And I needed to get stuff out of my parents, uh, my parents' home. And the main thing that I got from uh, from that house was uh, my parents are wine lovers in a sense that many most people aren't, and they're downsizing enough that they just have to get rid of wine. They have too much wine in their wine cellar. Yes, they have a wine cellar. And so I had to go to Cincinnati to get, I think it ended up being 120 bottles of wine. Uh, that I loaded into my rental car and drove back the 500 miles from Cincinnati back to Richmond, Virginia. The oldest bottle of wine is one year younger than me. It was bottled in 1986, and I got a couple of bottles of 1986 wine. And I, was, I haven't drank any because it's as old as me. I'm not gonna. I, I gotta wait for a, a a good occasion for that. You clearly haven't seen Sideways if you're waiting for a good occasion. Yes, I haven't seen Sideways, but I also I know Merlot sucks. I Merlot mean, doesn't suck. Sorry. It can. It often does, but go, Jason. Uh, I was going to ask, until you mentioned rental car, like what conveyance were you putting these bottles of wine into? Um, a 2019 Toyota Highlander, which has radar okay. technology. So uh, uh, this no one's going to care about this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm an old and I care about this. It uh, it has radar cruise control, so it, you can set your cruise control, and then if somebody slows down in front of you, the radar just knows, and it slows the car down without turning off your cruise control. And then if they speed back up, it speeds you back up to your cruise control speed. So someone, someone further ahead in driving a different car who you've never met is effectively controlling your car. Yes, That's but then I, I just... Right, but then I just move over to the other lane, and then it just automatically speeds back up. It's basically so I can okay. just not die while driving. See, for me, I would worry about zoning out. I mean, I definitely didn't do that. I mean, no. it's, good. it's good that you didn't zone out. Or I mean, yeah, no, he popped sure. a couple bottles of wine because he wasn't driving the car was. I didn't drink any of the bottles of wine. <laughs> have, have I ever told you guys the... the um, brief uh, instance in which I was piloting a vehicle and yet I was also having to go across the cab of the vehicle to adjust the rear view mirror on the other side, which meant briefly that the vehicle was unattended. Why uh, didn't you pull over? Uh, I couldn't, there was nowhere to pull over. Um, I Why was didn't stuck. You just not do that thing then because I could not see to the right of the vehicle because it was a large uh, flatbed and someone had clipped the mirror Um knocking it out of position so that I could no longer see to my right whatsoever, which meant that eventually I was going to have to move over and change lanes. When would I ever be able to do that again? I didn't know because I was on an exit ramp trying to get out of uh, Brooklyn and back to the, to uh, more Southern wait, wait, climes. Wait. You, you were, you were adjusting uh, this on an exit ramp in Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah, stuck in traffic. So what well, the car was not going fast, but I did eventually <laughs> leave kind of a, Jason, this Long. might be the most dangerous story you've ever told us. Well, in full dis in in full defense of myself, I was sitting still. Another trucker uh, with a much larger truck hit the rearview mirror on the passenger side of my vehicle, uh, which he leaned out and began yelling at me uh, as if I had done this to him. Even though, again, my car was not moving. Um, you're, my you're, you're so far not mitigating the danger factor. Um, but eventually what I did was I realized because there's no there it's a it's 
it's on a plastic hinge, so it there is no way to move it. It's not automated. You have to physically pull the thing back into position, um, or else it just is stuck like that until you do something about it. Um, I could see far enough down the road that there were no shoulders anytime soon, and I knew that at a, at a certain point I was going to have to get over to the right to uh, to be on the correct plate, uh, the correct road. Um, and so basically, I just left a big gap in front of myself. And then uh, when I saw that traffic up ahead had stopped one more time, I lunged across the cab, rolled the window down because it was an old enough flatbed that I actually <laughs> physically rolled a crank window, uh, reached out, pulled it back into place, and then threw myself back across the front of the cab and then hit the brakes. And I actually was like 30 feet from hitting anyone. So it was, for what it sounds like, terribly dangerous. Actually, you know, still pretty dangerous. 30 feet from hitting everyone while drifting at like three miles an hour. Um, so what you're saying is New York is a death trap. I wouldn't well, say I, death trap so much as a trap because of, of death. in this same adventure, I uh, ended up accidentally the, the signage wasn't clear on one of the roads and I ended up going into Manhattan with the flatbed, uh, which I did not want to do. Um, if, but yeah, you haven't real. driven, you haven't tried to drive around Manhattan unless you've accidentally driven through Manhattan. Like yeah. if you're trying to get to Long Island or New England, you will at some point in your journey, go through Manhattan. It won't make any sense. And you won't it. know why you're there. Look, if this is going to happen to you, don't do it while driving a flatbed because it's much harder to get that flatbed you turned and back to where you want to go. I don't know um, if I want to know, but why were you driving a flatbed? I, I uh, He it, was transporting lots of wine. No, no, uh, I was the one transporting the wine and I was in an SUV. I was transporting um, particle board. Why? We needed it. Who? <laughs> my work. <laughs> my job. I they was sent up you, there. They trusted you with this? Yes, they trusted me with this. Hey, hey, no, welcome isn't... in. This is Filibuster <laughs> and stopping this before it gets out of hand podcast. I'm Don't Adam you Taylor. pay people to transport things? Joined as always by the incredulous Ben Not Bromley. my decision. And the, I, I don't even have an adjective, Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com. We write about soccer. We talk about soccer, mostly DC United. That's what we're talking about tonight. Uh, the Black and Red uh, opened up the 2019 ser- season with a 2-0 uh, a win over the defending champs. We're going to talk about that uh, game and the awful, god-awful weather that it was played in. We are also going to preview the upcoming game against NYCFC with uh, the Cooligans, which is pretty exciting. Um, Great guys, very funny podcasters out of New York city. They're going to be on the show later to help us understand NYCFC to the extent that that is possible before we do anything though. Ben Bromley, what are you drinking? I grabbed a glass. I grabbed some bourbon. I poured the bourbon in the glass. I drink the bourbon. I feel like that should have been a haiku. I, I'm disappointed I'm, I'm, that I'm, it wasn't. I'm bad at formal poetry. I, I'm much better at uh, uh, free meter poetry. What kind of bourbon? Uh, it's just some benchmark bourbon, which is the uh, slightly less aged version of Buffalo Trace. I am drinking, uh, funnily enough, I'm the one drinking wine, not the man who has 120 bottles in his possession. Um, and I'm sure they're it, all more expensive than what wine you have. Yes, probably. Not that you're bragging, Benjamin. Uh, I, I'm drinking a, a, a French Pinot Noir um, that is older than my son. <laughs> there you go. But not much older than, than anything else. It's 2015. Um, yeah, it's just basic, cheap, pretty tasty Pinot. So that's what I'm drinking. Jason, Pinot what Noir, are you drinking? Mid-sized car. I'm not drinking no, a no. mid-sized car. Um, <laughs> I am drinking uh, a... I think this is like the two or two, not two in a row, but maybe two out of the last three of me drinking a um, pen quarter porter from uh, DC brow. Um, I had not realized, but there was one other can still in the fridge and I found <laughs> it earlier. So 
uh, now it's mine. Now I'm drinking it. I guess it was mine the whole time, but uh, since I didn't know it was there, was it really mine? Who knows? Now I'm picturing yes, Jason as was. Elmer Fudd and this beer is Bugs Bunny. And it just keeps thwarting Jason, disguising itself as things that aren't beer. Uh, it was partially obscured by the syrup. That's <laughs> what can you do about that, man? Yeah, I mean, eventually what you do is you, you, you know, stoop down and be like, oh, that's a beer. Uh, that's how you find it. See, the these tips are why <laughs> the people keep coming back and listening to this show. Life tips like there might be a beer behind your syrup. You should you really never check. Know. Or maybe you do always know. I don't know. <laughs> this got way more philosophical than I was ready for. <laughs> We're like 30 seconds away from becoming a drill tweet. I mean, is it the metaphorical syrup that it just doesn't want you to see this beer? No, I don't think the syrup had any will uh, towards uh, obscuring this. <laughs> no, beer. I'm not saying it, it had will. I, I'm saying it didn't actually exist. That it is a metaphor for. No, 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 no. no. This was a bottle of maple syrup. Uh, it does exist. I had to move it uh, to grab the beer. It is it's corporeal a, syrup. Well, real well, well, syrup. I'll post, is it, yeah, I'll I'll say, is it real the, syrup or is it or is it corn syrup? No, 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 real syrup. I, I do, I do have a friend from college who um, went like they. It was four guys living in a suite, and they were rotating who had to go buy the groceries. Wait, wait, wait! And, you said you had a friend, and then you said they were four guys. So is this just like four people? Like I'm friends with all in of a them. Trench coat? No, no, no. These are these these men have not, to the best of my knowledge, worn a trench coat and posed as a larger man. Um, uh, one of them went to the grocery store and this is a kind of a dumb thing. College people do is they go to the grocery store, not knowing what certain foods are. Somehow his blind spot was the difference between corn syrup and maple syrup. Um, and so he went to the store and saw syrup on the list and was in the aisle where syrup was, but there is also corn syrup because oftentimes it's in the baking area near the maple syrup. And right, he like saw, yeah. And he saw King syrup. And thought, well, King, that sounds better than the other existing maple oh, syrup. No. And, um, maybe, maybe it's clear because it's some sort of like it doesn't have colors added or some sort of higher quality maple oh, syrup product. No. And so he came back with uh, this corn syrup and they were like, what is this? Why'd you buy this? And he's like, oh, it's syrup. You guys wanted syrup. And they're like, we wanted maple syrup. Do you know what this is? He's like, I thought it was better than maple syrup or, or like a high scale maple syrup. I'm like this it's is corn syrup. syrup. Um yeah, um, he's now a, a, a successful businessman and a father of three. Is he a syrup magnate? No, he's not. They, it, for all know. I know, he's never figured out the difference. For It could be he <laughs> still doesn't understand. Do you imagine putting Cairo on your uh, on your pancakes? Uh, that sounds awful. I actually thought about it. After they I, did this, I did think about it, and it was like, that sounds absolutely miserable. I, I know old men who do that they they oh, so, use corn wait, syrup so there is a person syrup. somewhere who does this yes okay. i don't think Anna? it's the perfectly clear stuff in in i think this was in michigan anyway um uh, yeah i don't michigan think it was the very michigan. clear stuff it was the darker less refined caro but it was 100 percent caro like corn syrup that that he would pour on yeah pour on his pancakes we should. We are technically a <laughs> soccer podcast, and we should probably I think, talk I, I about think soccer. A, I think we're now a syrup podcast. I mean, put it on the list. But the weather on Sunday was bad. It was so so bad, but the soccer was really good. Uh, at least from DC United, the black and red saw off the defending champs, Atlanta United, two to nothing Sunday. On buzzard point goals from Paul Ariola and Lucho Acosta. Jason, how fun was that? Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed the fact that um, we got the proof of concept of the idea that this is a very good team. Um, I was thinking on the way home that when you look, when you think back to entering a season, you think back to entering 2017, we are coming off of a great back half of 2016, and then the team started with a thud and then just kept thudding until the season was over. Um, and so we're coming off of 2018 where we have an even better back half of the season. 
Um, but can you carry it over? And the answer, obviously, after this was at least for one game, uh, the answer was a, a very clear yes. Um, the excuses were pretty clear. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the ways out to say like, well, we didn't get this one because the conditions were too sloppy or um, we're playing a really good team and they surprised us by not rotating. Um, you know, there are any number of things you could have said, you know, we've got two new starters and they're getting up to speed. All of that stuff were, you know, ways that United could have explained away not, not playing well in this one. And they didn't need any of it. They had no interest in it. They just went out and played at the level, at the standard they set last year. Um, and they made Atlanta look toothless, which it doesn't happen. No one does this to Atlanta. This was, it was wild. Um, like seeing the expected goals after the game where it was essentially two and a third for DC to one third of one goal was the expected goals that, that Atlanta created on the night. It's just, it it was crazy. They, they had a few shots from outside the box and that was, that was pretty much it. Um, and DC United had, they, they had more chances missed than uh, Atlanta had at all. It was, it, it mean, was yeah. pretty cool. Ulysses Segura and Wayne Rooney should have each scored a goal. So it should have been four to four to nothing. And, and junior Moreno could have scored. Yeah, um, exactly. Like DC left goals on the board in this one. Um, and they still, you still come away with it, you know, very, very satisfied uh, across. I mean, I think there's very little to be upset about outside of trying to shake the cold out of your bones after being out there in the cold and the rain for all that time. Jason, are you reading my damn notes right now? Like you, I'm you, not. You stole like the exact punchline. The, the, the phrase, the, did I take not, your phrasing? No, not my phrasing, but okay. the the idea. Um, I won't call it Jason plagiarism. I'll call it. I mean, he's, he's podcast from right here multiple times. Adam, <laughs> it, it's like I'm the car further ahead of you, and you've got the radar cruise control on, and I'm now dictating uh, what you do. I drive a 10 year old Subaru. I do not have radar guided cruise control. In my regular life, I drive a 15 year old car. So I don't, uh, this is the first time I've ever had this wondrous being. <laughs> anyway, uh, lane so you can get out from, for you can get some freedom. Well, I'm just going to make from, the point. From anyway. Jason. I'm going to make the point. Anyway, Lucho had a golden assist. Ariola was obviously very good. Wayne Rooney was quiet, but uh, I, I would say influential on the night, um, bringing people into the attack. The the new guys definitely showed up. Apart from the weather, there's not a lot to nitpick. Uh, Bill Hamid didn't have much to do, um, but but came up big when when he had to on a, a long range shot. Um, I, I do want to dive into. The new guys. We saw TT Rodriguez and Leonardo Hara with their first actual game. And Ben, what did you make of of the new guys? I thought they were both really good. I thought that Leo Hara was he showed why he has been a Boca Juniors starter. Uh, getting into the attack, he was really good. He was uh his passes were incisive and we're unlocking Paul Ariola up. We'll get to Paul Ariola himself in a bit, who was wonderful by himself, but Leo Hara just helped him to uh, completely take advantage of Breck Shea in a soccer sense. And uh, his defense was fine. It wasn't outstanding, but it was fine. And his offense was great. And I think the defense will come around. I'm not worried about it. Uh, TT Rodriguez was, I think he was secretly really good. I think it wasn't flashy. It wasn't uh highlight real worthy, but for a young player playing his first MLS match, I think he played really well. He was uh, a great passer. I think uh, our Ryan Kiefer posted that he didn't miss a single pass. I think he had a hundred percent passing rate in this game. And, for a player coming from any league, really, uh, to MLS, that just doesn't happen. We, we've we come to expect that players have to have 
uh, a half a season or a full season to acclimate to MLS. And TT Rodriguez didn't need that. He uh, connected all of his passes. He was uh, probing and incisive in his attacking runs. And he's only going to get better. Like if this is his baseline, if this is his first game, he's only going to improve from there. So I was really impressed by both of them in this game. And I think they are both going to set up DC United well. And I think Dave Casper made really good decisions on this. You said that he he didn't do a lot of highlight reel worthy. There was one play that almost came off and this, it was Brad Guzan's the only reason it, it didn't where he got in behind and had Wayne Rooney wide open in the middle of the goal. And he, Guzan cut down the angle such that whether he was shooting or trying to center it, um, TT had to come up with a perfect chip and it was close. Uh, but, but Guzan just got his body in the way and, and snuffed it out, but it was so close to just being this beautiful goal. Um, but it, it it's promising, like you said. Yeah. And, you know, to, to Ben's point about, um, uh, Hara's defending, um, on one hand, I think Atlanta, I'm looking at the Opta um, chalkboard and most of their cross attempts came, the, the large majority of their cross attempts did come down the left. Um, but I think some of that, maybe a lot of it is the fact that they had a left-footed Mikey Ambrose playing on the right side for um, possibly the first time in his professional career um, because their roster isn't really built to play the formation that Deborah has them playing. Um, so that was some of it. The fact that they were going to be feeding the ball more to the left where they had a left footed player. Um, I do think that there were some moments that he, he still um, the, the positioning side of it wasn't perfect uh, defensively. On the other hand, they had no completed crosses, no key passes uh, from that side of the field at any point in the entire game. Um so while the balls were going in, they weren't getting to their desired targets, uh, which is a positive sign. Um, and on the other side of the ball, when Hara, like Hara's passing range, his ability to wait a pass is what you'd expect. Like there are teams that have attacking midfielders in MLS that can't hit a weighted ball as well as uh, Leo Hara can, um, which is going to be really bad news for opposing uh, left backs because You've got Paul Ariola, who's who's so good off the ball and always as so busy, um, and you've got Hara able to play those balls in behind uh, that that just hold up in time for uh, Ariola to get around his man, but the ball doesn't run too long so that Ariola can't do anything with it. Um, that's going to be really dangerous for United this season. The fact that the other thing I really liked about Hara on the attack is that um, the positions he was taking up were always really, really good. He was always getting his angles right. Um, and making the defender, the defenders on that side, no matter who it was chasing him down, it was always deeply, deeply uncomfortable for them. They were always having to scramble and be, you know, kind of in these all or nothing situations. He got several balls into dangerous spots from, from those moments. Um, and yeah, I, I, I saw a ton uh, of positives in a game that could have been tricky. Uh, you know, this, the conditions were bad. He's playing against Breck Shea, who for all of our jokes about Breck Shea is still an extraordinary athlete. Um, this system may fit him better than just about anyone else on their roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hara mostly dealt with him really well and also had the beating of him going the other way. Um, as far as Rodriguez goes, um, super heads up Um, professional players all play with their head up, but Rodriguez was like a step beyond that. It looked like he never had any question about what the ball had done when he touched it. He knew exactly where it was going to be every single time. Um, No hesitation, um, no need to sort of feel the game out. He, I never got the sense that he was dipping his toe in. He was jumping into the deep end and looking like he'd been swimming all of his life. It was that kind of thing. Um, between the two of them, um, and I haven't counted the total passes, but between the two of them, they only misplaced four passes the entire night. Um, those are Hara's passes, and only three of them are attacking passes. Um, one of them is that 86-minute uh, crossfield ball that he mishit that was, you know, maybe the biggest red flag on his performance. Um, but still, uh, these two were heavily involved in the game, didn't give the ball up at all, 
Um, they looked technically head and shoulders above most MLS players that, that play similar positions. Um, this was for, for a debut game. This was much better than I was expecting because we haven't gotten to see much of Rodriguez and what we've seen of Hara has been, you know, I mean, it was a week ago that we we're on this show talking about, um, how it might be like Joseph Mora, where it takes a month or two before we really start to see him play well. Um, and here we are a week later and it's like, oh, we're there. Uh, we got there already. So that's extremely encouraging for, you know, the next games coming up. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a some kind of drop off from one or both of them. I remember when Mora came in, he was one of the strongest parts of his game is emergency defense. That last second slide tackle Mora is really, really good at it. And the first game he played for DC United, he made like three of them and we were all really hyped. Like this guy's got potential. And then that part of his game wasn't as in, it wasn't brought up as much in the next few games. And he had to work on positioning and, and the more, uh, you know, mundane parts of the game, which was where he had to catch up and he got there. And now he's a very good all around player, including going forward, which he had a a pretty great run where he left a couple of defenders on the ground behind him in this one. Hopefully Hara doesn't have that kind of setback and TT doesn't have that kind of setback, but progress is very rarely linear and we, we, we could see those and I'm not going to, I'm going to caution against any listeners or myself you know, going into panic mode when and if that happens. And and Ben Olsen said, not just for the overall game, but also I, I think he indicated across the board that, um, you know, everyone needs to still keep their feet on the ground um, with Atlanta being probably tired out since they opted not to rotate. Um, especially in the second half, I think you saw that they just did not have the energy DC had. Um, and so, um, you know, it's not always going to be this easy. Um, maybe it will be next week because NYCFC, uh, from people I've talked to, have already said that um, they really aren't convinced that that's going to be a good team. I also, I'll say it right now, um, we had to submit our um, votes for who was going to finish where in the league. I have NYCFC missing the playoffs. Um, so hopefully it'll be, you know, it won't be very difficult again because that's that's nice. Um, but on the other hand, you go from playing on, um, a full sized field, uh, this week to playing in basically someone's, uh, uh, guest bathroom next weekend. Um, that's going to be a wake up call for Hara and Rodriguez. So, um, you know, it, it should be interesting to watch them develop. And, you know, like, like you said, Adam, your progress isn't linear, but, if this, if this wasn't like a false dawn and instead it was just a baseline, which, you know, I'm kind of combining things that you both said now. Um, if this is, if this is the starting point for these guys, then, uh, Dave Casper did the work. Um, you, you kind of see why Dave Casper was so excited about Rodriguez, mm-hmm. um, which we didn't have that up until yesterday because his appearance against Montreal, he wasn't very involved, uh, didn't do much with the, the rare touches he got and the rest of the team wasn't getting him the ball. So it was, you know, and he left after half an hour. <clears throat> yeah. Which, you know, I, I'm guessing was a planned, like we're going to give you half an hour and then, um, substitute you because we were building your fitness back up after a little bit of a preseason knock. Um, he got in this game, he got over the, over the hour mark. Um, and he didn't look it. I mean, he didn't look like he was flagging. Uh, he didn't look like someone who was completely gassed at that point. I mean, everyone was looking like they played an hour of soccer, but he didn't look exceptionally tired, which is also a good, you know, a, a big plus that um, whatever they've been doing to build up his fitness is is working apparently because he went from half an hour in a preseason uh, level of intensity to sixty seven minutes in regular season intensity. So that's a, another. Uh, maybe not a big plus, but it's definitely a plus. So it's obvious. Uh, well, let's talk about Paul Ariola before we, we get to our, uh, our yes. broader outlook. Paul Ariola deserves to be talked about. Lucho Acosta deserves to be talked about in this game. Uh, Ariola and Frederick Briant are both in the team of the week on MLS soccer.com. Uh, Hamid's on the bench. Ben Olsen's the coach. Lucho somehow did not get any love, which 
insane uh, crazy I, I really hope somebody tells him he got snubbed so he has another reason well, to to go out I'll, and murder people i'll jump in the actual dc snub is russell canals um well that too uh but you're yeah. not, you know i thought i thought lucho was maybe only the fourth best player on the field um but in any case i'm glad someone's paying attention and someone's getting recognized because this was a good all-around performance no one was bad in this game yeah Junior Moreno was really good too. The, yeah. both, both, that central midfield was, I mean, ask Atlanta. They were unplayable. They, they shut everything down, but Paul ask, Ariola ask, uh, was. That's Joseph Martinez. Yeah. Did, did he play uh, in this game? Who? <laughs> I, I, I heard his he name announced. Um, <laughs> he, if you pull up, if you, in fact, everyone should go to the check, the chalkboard and look at Martinez's passing uh, map because it's just a bunch of it's all completed. He didn't turn the ball over passing once, but they're virtually other than two passes, they're backwards passes. It's all back passes, um, which I guess also goes to credit. I know we're going further away from Ariola for a second, but it also goes to credit um, Frederick Briant and Steve Birnbaum um, and Russell Knauss. I already mentioned him. Well, fine. Anyway, Ariola. Paul Ariola was everywhere. Um, he he made he he stopped Brecchia's forays forward a few times and immediately got out into the attack. He was making great passes. He got behind the defense. Obviously, he scored uh, the goal off of uh, a corner kick that somehow Lucho Acosta won. Um, it, it was a great performance from Paul Ariola and. It seems like he's come into this year just on another level. You saw it with the the U.S. national team when he got on the field in San Jose. You and and you're seeing it now. He's just he's playing like a uh, just like I said on another level right now. Yeah, he tormented Atlanta's defense. He tormented Breck Shea. He tormented uh, uh, LGP. He was undefendable in this game. He got to the line and was able to cross the ball in. He was able to uh, sneak in multiple times through the back line on crosses, uh, just like he was on his goal. Uh, he was anywhere and everywhere. And if we can get this Paul Areola, I mean, he's always been really good, but if we can get this level Paul Areola for the rest of the year, I mean, we, w- we won't have him for the rest of the year because he'll be in the U S men's national team, but we'll also be, in the top tier of the playoffs because with the rest of the players on this team, this him at this level just elevates this team even further. I thought you were going to say, if we have him at this level for the rest of the year, we won't have him uh, much longer after that because well, that's he, probably he's also playing true. at a level that, that will solicit bids from yeah. European teams. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, that was part of the deal from both him and from uh, United when they signed him was that, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as he's here and, and look, if he's here for 15 more years, um, I don't think anyone has any doubts that he is going to give his all every single game. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that is part of the thought process with him coming here, uh, is that he might do extremely well and then move on and he is doing extremely well. Um, and I'm sure no one wants him to move on, but you know, that might come to pass if he plays like this, uh, routinely. Um, I think it's interesting the contrast between um, his game and Rodriguez's game in this one because Rodriguez didn't turn the ball over at all, but maybe that's like a low risk kind of style of play. Like maybe there are moments where he could have been a little more aggressive with the ball, whereas Ariola was very aggressive with the ball, very aggressive with his runs. Um, and I'm interested to see whether that's the way this team is going to look where um, maybe Rodriguez is more of a um, someone who's keeping the ball, helping combine and and helping the whole team create. Whereas Oriol is that guy taking the risk, making the the extra run, um, being more direct to goal, uh, being more to the point. Um, I'm interested to see if that's that's the plan, if that's how this this quartet works as an attack, um, because we see you know. Rooney is often going back to goal and laying the ball off for others. Whereas Lucho is coming in. Um, it's not 
that's already not a traditional center forward and number 10 setup. You know, the number 10 is getting as many or more looks at goal as the center forward. Um, and we might be seeing something of that developing on either flank where, um, you know, maybe Ariola becomes even more of a goal scoring threat as a winger. He already had a really good year last year. Um, Olsen mentioned that they knew when they signed him that that was the sort of the final piece of the puzzle because he was good at everything else. Um, and now he's scoring goals and he's got off to a good start again. And and he, he did also mention that, you know, with Rodriguez, that might be, it might be a similar trajectory with Rodriguez where he does everything really well and you just have to get a little more final product out of him. Um, I mean, if this team has this sort of attack and then also gets more final product out of Rodriguez, um, maybe we even have to start talking about more than this team is really good and start, you know, even heightening our expectations, which seems crazy at this point, but um, Jason, yeah, stop reading my notes. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> it's obviously only one game. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It was at home against a tired op- opponent, but as Jason was saying, if this team can stay locked in, if players can make their kind of natural progression, what is the ceiling we're talking about? Is I mean, th- this this level of performance against a team of Atlanta's caliber, um, if you can repeat it on a regular basis, you're going to be contending for trophies. Um, we're talking about a level of play that can get you into the supporter shield race. Um, and that's actually maybe the thing that I felt best about this game is that this wasn't DC hitting their ceiling. There's more room to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone that everyone that did any press availability after the game, they all seem to feel the same way. Uh, ben Olson was like, well, we take a grain of salt. There's stuff we can work on. He mentioned a few things that he'd like to see get better. Wayne Rooney said, we played really well. There's a few things uh, that we can improve upon. Um, everyone seems to get that this was very, very good, but also it could get a lot better. Um, which is the kind of thing that it's the kind of game, it's kind of performance that you get from the teams that are in the supporter shield race for a full season. It's the kind of game that Atlanta and the Red Bulls provided on a frequent basis last year. And um, in years past, the other shield contenders, the other top two or three teams, um, they do this to people. They do this to other teams that come to their stadium is that um, they just look across the board. Like how is this team supposed to lose games? And for at least the one night, that's how DC looked. And it's, there's a bit of game theory, not on DC United's part, but just in general, just you've got to, it, like you, you've got to take advantage of any, any give that the top tier gives against you and just winning a game against another top tier team in the Eastern conference is a bonus. Like, Hopefully, if DC United is as good as we think, they're going to uh, collect points against the bottom tier of the East. But gaining any points they can, especially three points against the top tier of the East, just fortifies their position even further. I think we could be in for a really fun, fun year, if if not a very special year this year. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I'm looking forward to our next segment. We will be right back with the Cooligans. Stick around. This is Filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. 
Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United will hop the Acela this coming weekend for a Sunday afternoon meetup with NYCFC at Yankee Stadium. Uh, watch that one on uh, Flow Sports if you are a subscriber to that new service, uh, or ESPN Plus if you're outside of the blackout radius to help us preview the game. We're very lucky to be joined by two of the funniest podcasters around, especially in the soccer scene, and uh, two gentlemen who are damn sight gullier than the three of us on this show. Uh, Christian Polanco, Alexis Guerreros, the Cooligans are here. Welcome to Filibuster, guys. What's up? And what do you mean one of the funniest? What do you mean one of the funniest? (laughs) 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 Bro, find me somebody else. No, thanks so much for having us. (laughs) We got a tradition here. We got to start every interview with the same question because we're boring. And uh, what are you drinking? You're going to hate it. You want to go first? Yeah, this is the least gully thing ever, but I'm drinking a Fiji water right now that my wife left in the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you you stole that water, so. Damn right. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. I'm also uh, I'm also drinking water. I'm I'm actually currently at my parents' house waiting for my uh my mom is is uh we just got done cooking and uh so I'm after I'm done with this call I'm about to eat some good home Dominican cooking. Uh, nice. I also Sounds would great. like to use I would like to use this moment on the filibuster podcast to call Krishna out. He knows I live a short ride from his mother's house, and I didn't give him a goddamn invite. <laughs> Alexis, please do not drive while you're on the phone, even if you're going to Christian's mom's house for that, that delicious Dominican food. How great would it have been if, like, as Christian's saying that, you just hear a car door slam and wheels screech up? <laughs> and then bing, 10 minutes from now, we just bing, hear uh, foot, footsteps running up the, uh, up the stairs. You thought you could hold out yeah, on now- me? Maybe not running, you, but definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Alexis is not that fast, <laughs> <laughs> but you will hear each step. That is for sure. <laughs> I hate to to turn the conversation to sadder topics, but um, your pigeons NYCFC are are hosting a soccer game this weekend. Um, who are you missing more right now, David Villa or Patrick Vieira? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, mix this for rude. Um, I think. <laughs> uh, uh, first of all, I want I want to say that the fans do not co-sign the pigeon name. Okay. Too bad. New Yorkers are not. Yeah, no. New Yorkers are not fans of pigeons. Fair enough. Yeah. I I had I had seen some fans throw it up. I I I, I guess it's not universal. It, my my apologies. It's been a weird, like the divisive thing that have, especially having now that there's a pigeon on uh, on the new home kit. Uh, I've never seen. I, I feel like more people have been have had a stronger opinion on whether there is a pigeon on the kit, whether there, as opposed to Nazis uh, in the pitch, or uh, you know, in, in oh. Yankee Stadium. So, <laughs> so uh, it's very strange. So, David Vieira, Patrick Vieira. Who who's oh. making you whose absence is honestly making you sadder on the field? Vieira. I think you know, yeah, because we can find goals elsewhere. I mean, David Villa was the heart and soul of the team, but let's be honest, he was getting up there in age. He was a little bit injury prone towards the end of the season. I just don't think he would have had the ability to stay with the team. And he's not like I wouldn't call him like a um, like how Rooney's turned out, where he can sort of ping the ball to other players that are a bit more active. David Villa was the focus of the offensive attack. So we need someone like, a, I think, a Patrick Vieira, who was a little bit better tactical than what I've seen from Dome. I'm going to give Dome more of a chance, but as of right now, it's not looking great. I've missed David Villa more than anything. I can cry. I was so sad when he, when he left. Uh, coach, coaches come and go. Who cares? You don't, you don't get another David Villa just like, 
they're not just lying around. So David Villa, without a doubt. So speaking of coaches, uh, do you think Dumbe Tarrant lasts the season? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I, I, I think um, it would be, I don't know, maybe too embarrassing for, uh, you know, City Football Group or just NYCFC to just have a coach that he he's Pep's right hand man and then he, he like, you know, gets fired, uh, you know, mid season. I, I, I feel like they would deal with whatever embarrassment came from either missing the playoffs or not playing well over uh, the embarrassment of getting rid of their coach. It's not chasing. He's not chasing Christ. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> or do you want him to last the season? Let's, let's ask that question. I think he's going to last just as great, just as long as Olsen, baby. He's going to be a forever. <laughs> and we're just, he's going to get that gonna... four year grace period. <laughs> right. And we're going to win just as little as he has. Hey man, hey, we, that, got a, we got a U.S. open cup. That wooden spoon Whoa. U.S. open cup combination <laughs> is, that is some tasty stuff right there. <laughs> I, I think as Manchester United would call the double. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's my question. If Pep leaves Manchester city, is Dome Torrent done at the end of that week, or is he on the next flight? Wow. Okay. So you think, <laughs> I mean, you, you I, think his leash is as long as uh, you know, Pep's tenure? At I don't know. City. I, I'm trying I, to come up with a reason that, why he's still there. Either that or Pep Guardiola is taking the water boy with him, and they keep someone to replace them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just well, well, Pep. Well, the NYCC recently had a like city hall uh, thing, and they invited a bunch of fans, and they basically uh, had a, a, people submit questions. And according to Alex Ring, the new captain of NYCFC, he, he, he speaks very obviously he has to speak highly of his coach, but he does, he said something uh, specific about his coaching style that he found that he he's he can like he sees things that I don't see. He's teaching me like a new part of the game. He didn't really go into specifics. But it doesn't sound like Doma doesn't know anything about the sport or doesn't understand MLS or things like that. It, it seems like he is maybe used to something a little bit more rigid in, in Europe and can't get these these guys to like sort of get on board. Uh, that, that, so it seems like a uh, maybe a communication issue or, or motivation issue more than anything else. Right? But I I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be here for uh, a, a while. Not not just like. I don't think people hate him that much, to be honest. Unless he's in position where the team has lost, you know, like, or hasn't won 11 straight, like what Jason Christ did, he's going to be here for the long haul. And as, I think as long as they don't miss the playoffs, they'll be fine. I think at, at least that's what the team will think. Uh, I guess I guess my my first question, this, this with NYCFC, especially this offseason, has been um, all about Mitrita. Um First of all, I guess it's a two-parter. Uh, first of all, when you found out that NYCFC was spending that kind of money on a guy in the Romanian league, uh, in like a sentence, uh, sum up your reaction. I'll, I'll, ain't I'll, nothing, I'll say. Ain't, okay, go ahead. Go, go, for it, go for it. Go for it, Alexis. Okay, I'll say ain't nothing gullier than the Romanian league. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, when when. Uh, I was skeptical up until the point that uh, Matrita said uh, that his favorite player was Sebastian Jovinko. Once I heard that, I'm like, he knows what MLS is. That's good. <laughs> Bring him in here. He's a designated player. <laughs> Pay him all the money. He knows what the league is. So and, yeah, and I can and, confirm. I can confirm that he didn't Google MLS players, and that was the only one he knew. I can confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not um, going to ask your source. I'm just going to take you at face value on that one. <laughs> That's right. That's how to do it. I got a good deal on a bridge for you, my guy. <laughs> hey, New York's got great bridges. I'm listening. <laughs> I, to me, there's look, I think it's the proof is in the pudding. I think one thing that I have all the confidence in the world when it comes to NYCFC is their uh, scouting network, because mm -hmm. that comes from the mothership that comes from city football group. So if they think this player is $9 million, I know, no one else in the world does, but if they do, I'm willing to at least I'm willing to at least let them spend their own money, okay? But no one else in the world seems to think that, including it seems like Matrice's agent who was like, I'll take it. Like it was a <laughs> counteroffer. 
I guess I guess the second part of the question is like, what do you think of him so far? I mean, you've only got one regular season game, um, but he it's not like he did a bad job. So um, what do you think so far of his actual play? He looked great. I think uh, the my main concern is uh, how he's going, how tactically he's going to fit. When you when you look up uh, when you know the game against Orlando, you saw the lineup and you saw where he was positioned, and it was basically like almost having two 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 strikers and him and Max Morales. And when you see how tiny they are together, mm-hmm. like this can't this this should be illegal. There's, there's no way <laughs> these two tiny men can should be up front uh, handling everything. So it, uh, tactically, that's my main concern. I think uh, Matrita up front, this dude has like an absolute cannon, and he does very much play like Jovinko. He, he he makes the same the same turn. Uh, he's he's just shifty. You can't really put a body on him because he's so low to the damn ground. Uh, so I, I'm I'm less concerned about his play more than I'm his chemistry with uh, with the other players and how he's going to fit in with uh, with playing with Morales and Rain in that midfield and stuff like that. Yeah, my answer is similar to Christian's. I think we haven't seen him really play striker, and I I'm not sold on this Maxi Morales center forward false nine weird sort of combination play. He played really well in the position he was in before, uh, which is more central attacking midfielder. Why the hell are we moving him? Uh, I'm not sold on that yet. So I think we haven't seen what the final formation is going to be. So I haven't really seen yet what he can do. But what he has done has looked good enough for me. I think once he starts combining with players like uh, Medina and Ishmael Tujuri Shradi, and we see exactly what the forwards are going to look like, I think we're going to see a lot better play. But so far, he hasn't looked bad, and I have a feeling he's been out of position. So what happened in Orlando on on Saturday? You guys get a, a Galazzo from uh, O'Ferry, and then this ridiculous weighted pass from Matrita that was just perfect, and Alexander Ring did well to, to finish it. And then you give up a two-goal lead to Orlando. How did that happen? Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they put in their starters <laughs> at the end of the game. <laughs> All right? <laughs> and our players were tired playing in the sun. No one should play in it, okay? Uh, you know, Come to D.C. Think, we have rain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Your game looked atrocious. Um, I think it's. I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, the team sort of uh, had gotten comfortable. And I've said this on our podcast, and I'll say it again. There's no more dangerous scoreline other than a 2-0. You get real comfortable with yourself, and you realize you lose a point real fast when something like that happens, or two points, well, I should say, and that's exactly what I, happened. Well, I think definitely the the first goal. Uh, I think we we might we might be responsible for because we had Tesho Akandeli on our show a couple of weeks prior, and I think that was the motivation, or maybe we antagonized him a little bit to score against our team. I'm not sure, but I'm also 100 percent sure. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's that's I think that's what started it. Uh, but no, like I like what I like to say, it, we, we were, they were just absolutely t- Dom Dwyer. No one could keep up with Dom Dwyer. Uh, the dude uh, it got into the game. I think it was a, a mis mishandling of uh, of the substitution uh, on Domen's part because uh, they they were clearly tired and he didn't. Especially when it was down, it was already two one. I think the, the the an opportunity to score. I mean, they should have scored a third goal without a doubt. But uh, the the I think the substitutions were really the the, the downfall right there. Do you also, Tesho Akandeli had the double cool against Curse because not only did he score, but then he also got injured. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Do you think That's Nani brought word. his the uh, Man United uh, uh, the Man United vibes to uh, uh, a? bring down a, a city football group team. I think, I think what he did was he, he helped the crowd sort of wear off from all that heroin they had uh, in the first <laughs> half. They woke <laughs> up when he came on, man, it was called a splash of cold water to that crowd. And I think there's nothing more. I, it's hard for me to see someone like a Dom Dwyer not do well when the crowd is behind them. So bringing him and Nani in was to me a stroke of genius. I mean, that is a a line of blow for for Dom Dwyer's to have the crowd behind them, um, and then all that excitement. Drug references for Alexis. I don't know. This is what happens when I drink Fiji, man. I, I get a little loose. 
I can't be hydrated. My brain works too well. Uh, <laughs> From now on, Alexis has to stick to New York's finest. There you go. I want that good cancer tap water. Uh, <laughs> I just, I think both of them coming in at the same time, honestly, was a stroke of genius. And exactly what Christian said, I don't think Dome understood how to handle it either by tactical changes or uh, substitutions. Uh, guys, we, you know, you guys hinted at it already. Um, the main story with NYCFC right now is, uh, the Nazis and white supremacists running around in the stands. Um, I know the, most of the fan base is probably like, we would rather not have these Nazis around. Um, I know you guys are also not pro Nazi, so that's cool. Um, but like, how that, does the fan prerequisite for doing this show? I, I yeah, we, we all agreed. That. We all took the bold stance <laughs> that Nazis weren't cool. Um, but uh, I think like, we're ready to to film our "The More You Know" ad <laughs> about this. <laughs> um, but like w- within the fan base, what, what's going on as far as a bunch of fans who are like, we really don't want these Nazis here, and the team is like, uh, okay, they're still coming in though. Yeah, okay, I so think the, the, the one, the, the one, yeah, Christian. All right, so I'd be, uh, look, I, I can't, we, we both can't speak on exactly what's going on, but as, as fans and as, and as also as people who, you know, have their own podcast and are trying to be as informed as possible, our take is that, it, at least for me, it's, it's, it's almost like mishandled on a, a, a lot of people are sort of dropping the ball in in different ways right so i would say from from a from the fan base perspective there are people that are definitively like where sort of where we stand and, uh, and like these people should not be uh, allowed or welcomed in the stadium in uh, amongst the supporters they should not be welcome and in, in, to away games uh people there are people who've been who've made that very clear there are also people that I think are, are leaning more towards the side of non-confrontation and are saying like, hey, yes, I do, I do not agree with their views or uh, behavior or anything like that, but technically these people are not doing anything in the games to get themselves thrown out. So what power do I have to remove someone who's not doing anything at the game to, uh, uh, you know, to, even though I don't want them there and I don't uh, agree with their views. So that is a, uh, a tough position for a, just a casual fan who wants to go see a soccer game. So I understand that perspective as well, but it, it, it feels a little bit like, you know, it feels like we should be doing something more. Uh, and, and there are people that are like, hey, they've contacted the team and, and they contact MLS and they try to do everything they can. But MLS... And uh, NYCFC and, you know, Yankee Stadium are in this place of like, well, they're not doing anything. We, if, we, if they're not doing anything, we can't throw them out. So it's complicated. Uh, so that, that's like the, the easy way to sort of or the abridged version of, of that. But I think people stand and have different opinions on it. They stand in different sort of places with this from the, uh, from the moral and ethical thing to do. People stand in different places, even on that side. So it's, it's fairly complicated, if that makes any sense. All right, now I'll give you my answer. Uh, I think I exactly I agree with Christian. I agree with everything Christian said. Uh, we don't want to stand next to or alongside a Nazi in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, these new Nazis are tricky, okay? Uh, they don't <laughs> wear any patches that signify they're Nazis. They don't do anything specifically to show they're Nazis. So you can't, there's nothing that, like, and by the way, I think, I think something that the fans don't understand is there's NYPD all over the stadium. I mean, there's, there's, I can almost say just from traveling around this country, there's more NYPD officers at the Yankee games than there are in most municipalities around the country. And I mean, that as a, it's probably a fact. They're literally everywhere. There's, just in the supporters section, there's at least somewhere around 40 that are patrolling around. I mean, they're just everywhere. Some of them are plain clothes and you can't tell. Some of them are wearing their badges and they're standing where most security would stand or alongside security. So for someone to walk up to the whole, like the whole idea of go punch a Nazi, 
that means you're in jail and you're in jail till Monday. You know what I mean? Probably with that guy. So that's probably not the smartest move to do, even though I'm all for that. I think my simple thing is if you, if you can't kick them out because they haven't done anything, then add a single one question survey to everyone who buys a ticket. And it's a sliding scale from zero to 10, 10, in, 10 meaning I love them, zero meaning I hate them. Just say, hey, how you feel about the Jews? Anyone <laughs> who answers eight or lower, you're not allowed in the game. And that's it. And for all of your fans who also listen to Cooligan's podcast, I'm going to repeat this on Wednesday's episode, okay? Yo, how you We're feel the about them Jews? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm testing it out now. How you feel about them Jews? Zero to ten. Uh, you know, let me know. Uh, can, I, can I just say, on behalf of, of the Cooligans, we both don't agree on that particular strategy uh, of, of really weeding out uh, Nazis. <laughs> that might cause some other problems, but uh, I understand. Alexis's heart is in the right place. <laughs> so once again, I would like to say that all of my thoughts are also those of Christians to the Cooligans we say together, baby. <laughs> well, in the vein of the Cooligans sharing one galaxy brain uh i'm gonna i'm gonna put you in into a 1980s television show you may have heard of it it's called quantum leap oh boy show let's say tomorrow quantum leap you wake up bacula for life (laughs) so you two i thought his name was scott blackula for a long time (laughs) i feel like well now that you've said that i feel like it should be yeah, I'm like, he's not a black dragon. I mean, that's that's correct. <laughs> it might not yeah. be the fact, but it's correct. You know he'd still be getting work if it was black. You know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know how many actors have changed their name? He might have been one yeah. of them. I would love if his stage name was adding an L to Bacula. That would be <laughs> great. So you guys wake up tomorrow, and you find that you have quantum leaped into Ben Olsen's body. And you have to prepare for this game at Yankee Stadium on that tiny pitch against NYCFC. What are you focusing on? What is your plan? Uh, Wait, repeat that? Repeat that because I didn't hear that. You guys quantum leaped into Ben Olsen's body. Both of you together. You're like the angel and the devil on on Ben Olsen's shoulders. What are you telling him to prepare for uh, NYCFC? How are you game planning? I would right, well, if we're, if we're, with, hold on. If we're splitting the body, I'm picking the bottom half. Yeah, I control the game. <laughs> I was distinction. gonna say left side, right side, but but <laughs> I, 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 I'll follow now. you. It's yeah, it's done. It's already happened. <laughs> I got the legs, yo. I'm kicking a lot of people. <laughs> well, you got the, you got the broken ankles. <laughs> so um, I would start, if I was Ben Olsen, I would have to prepare for um, a couple. Well, obviously, uh, Maxi Morales. If you, I think, if you can contain Maxi Morales and uh, get in the way of uh, you know a couple some passes, make it difficult for him. Uh, even maybe follow him a little bit, give him a tough time out there. That is probably the the best opportunity you'll have uh, to win that game. Yeah, I think it's not hard to beat NYCFC. Put two people on Moxy and you win because they can't, they can't transition into the final third. It's really not that hard. And I think someone like Ben Olsen is already prepared uh, for something like that. And I think that's something Dome Turan has, has tried to figure out with the wingers, try to make them as wide as possible, try to make them sort of as pacey as possible and scare the defenders into not being able to crowd Moxie. And I'm not sure that that's that I don't I don't think that works. I don't think that works as well in in a league like MLS where everyone's very physical and active. Yeah, the, uh, I, I'd also add uh, pressure. So NYCFC usually went to Yankee Stadium. They are they know how to play on that tiny pitch. Uh, so that's it's definitely to their advantage. Um, but def- pressing definitely helps. Uh, we'll see what the lineup is exactly. You know, Jonathan Lewis played in the last game. Uh, Medina got some minutes. You know, Medina still hasn't, depending on who's there, you know, like Medina ha- has not lived up to his DP status. So, uh, but usually pressure on the ball, pressure on uh, on passing lanes is what makes, uh, uh, you know, NYCC have a tough time playing in their in their home stadium. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm also thinking that it's going to be very hard for me to relate this information to Ben Olsen's brain <laughs> if I'm down by the balls, but I'll try. <laughs> so, like, if he comes across a good idea, I'm going to rush blood to the joint. You know what I mean? So he'll know <laughs> that's a good idea. I'm just thinking you're going to like control his legs and you're just going to take him somewhere that makes no sense, but there will be a really <laughs> weird pattern about where you're taking him and Christian's just going to have to figure it out. Yeah. He's like, why? He's like, I can't. Christian's like, why have we been kicking this pizza shop in DC for hours? Oh, it's because it's trash. Cause I hear I farted as I asked that question. <laughs> oh man, I can tell the parts too. This is fun. But by, but by the end of the quantum leap episode, it'll all make sense. <laughs> yeah, he just goes into a nurse, and then we 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 find out next week what happened. Yeah, Alexis Christian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, yeah, if there is by chance one of our listeners out there who who hasn't found your podcast or found you on Twitter, where can they do that? Uh, Everything at, is at, at Soc- Soccer Cooligans. Yeah, exactly what Christian was about. Yeah, yeah, at Soccer Cooligans uh, on all social media, SoccerCooligans.com. And just, uh, yeah, you can search uh, the Cooligans on anywhere you listen to podcasts. And it's uh, just, we're just as dumb as we were today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Find us at blackandredunited.com. Uh, support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster if you are so inclined and able to do so. Uh, find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us wherever you get uh, your podcasts. I'm told that ratings and reviews are helpful. Tell a friend about the show. That's that's a big big help you can, you can do for us. Uh, for, for Jason and Ben and thanking the Cooligans one more time, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Bottom leap. <laughs>